the comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now, here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. I'm calling the angels down. I'm storming the gates of hell. Tell the devil he don't own my soul. I'm taking back what the enemy stole. I'm raising the battle cry. I'm holding the banner high. With the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm taking back what the enemy stole. Good day, this is The View from a Pew, here on your local radio station. I'm Mac McCoy, your host, and my co-host for today is uh, Gary Hutchins from the um, First Church of Christ. No, this Church of Christ. So this love Church of Christ. Trying to do it by Block North 108th and Maple, uh, Bible study at 9.30, church at 10.30, Another church service Sunday night at 6.30. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. And then one on Wednesday. Wednesday night, 6.30. Bible classes. Maybe I should just write that down. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So, and I like Gary coming on because what we've done here is we've kind of shifted, well, how do I say this? I really felt like God was leading me to, to, to alter the direction of these shows. And I used the word alter and direction, not change. And one of them was to start to start talking simply about what does the Bible say about blank? Because so many times when Gary and I or another guest and I would determine a, a uh, uh, an idea or a topic, it would end up being, well, what does the Bible say about it? It's the way it should be. Yeah. So we've got that. And then the other one we're having, it's the one you just heard the opening for, um, uh, Taryn Wells, who's a preacher and a uh, Christian singer, wrote a song that said, I'm taking it all back. And basically what that's saying is we're going back into uh, our lives, our churches, our communities. We're going to measure what the, the devil, Satan, has taken from us. And as a whole, we need to figure out how to get it back. I certainly do not want to start warfare was Satan. That's I'm that's that's not my deal. But I do want you and I to realize what Satan has taken from us. Okay? And we're gonna start out today. Today we're gonna talk about what does the Bible say about the Bible. And we're gonna start with one of the things that I think Jesus or I think Satan has taken from us is the true true reason why God came to earth and died on the cross which was for forgiveness. Because for all the years that Jesus or that God tried to lead his people, the Jewish people, they never could figure out exactly how to do something right. Me too, you too. <laughs> but they didn't repent. They didn't uh, they didn't realize that all they had to do was to f- repent and forgive. And uh that's why, quite frankly, maybe the Jesus came and went after the Gentiles as he did and, and expanded his core group of followers into the Gentiles, 
not just the Jews. And one of the things I asked Gary to look up is there is a place in the Bible, uh, well, obviously it's in the Lord's Prayer, uh, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There is more teaching later on that kind of explains why that's really an important thing that we need to do and pay attention of, because it's part of picking up Jesus's cross and following him. And I know you've looked some stuff up in the Bible for us to help understand that. Yeah, Mac, it's, you know, everybody wants forgiveness, but not everybody wants to forgive. Right. And also, I think when you you get into a quote-unquote Bible class setting, a whole lot of people, they want just kind of a touchy-feely, feel-good kind of understanding of forgiveness. We got to forgive everybody. Uh, somebody comes and and you know breaks into your house, shoots your wife, steals everything you've got in your house, and that kind of mentality says, "Well, I got to forgive them." Well, every time, I, I every time that you find repent and for, and forgiveness or repentance and forgiveness in the same verse of scripture, repentance always comes first. Right. Now, repentance means literally, from the Greek, a change of mind, but understood inherently within that, within that definition is a change of mind that leads to a change in behavior and ultimately a change in lifestyle. And so if somebody wants to be forgiven, what's the first thing we've got to do if we want forgiveness from God? We've got to come to him his way through Jesus and in repentance. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13 and verse 3. Now, when you look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when, when Peter was asked by many of the Jews on Pentecost, what shall we do? He's just preached to them the gospel. And you talk about a scathing sermon? <laughs> yeah. That was, he, I mean, he repeatedly accused them of crucifying the Son of God, their Savior. And then in verse, 30, verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, some of them say, what shall we do? The very first word in response out of his mouth is repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So there's, there's just one classic example of a verse and, but they're all that way that I've never come across one that says anything different. If you want forgiveness first, you got to repent. Okay. Now, once a person repents, if it's a sin against us personally, we're obligated to forgive them. Right obligated. Right. You know what Jesus obligated. I like yeah, you underline that. Yeah. And what what Jesus said in 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 the sermon on the mount, Matthew chapter 6 and verse verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, the condition there is that word as and then followed by our willingness and our action to forgive those who are have sinned against us. Forgive us our debts as we follow through and forgive those who have sinned against us. You know, Peter, he asked the question, and he probably was thinking that this is pretty, you know, pretty magnanimous. You know, I'm offering to forgive somebody seven times. In in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? I don't think he was expecting at all the response of Jesus in the next verse. He said, uh, I do not say to you up to seven times, 
but up to 70 times seven. And did Jesus mean, okay, so that would be 490 times if you do the calculation mathematically. Was Jesus telling Peter, now keep a count, when he gets to that 491st time, you don't have to forgive him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think that's it. Absolutely not. He was saying, you never cease to forgive as long as the person in repentance seeks your forgiveness. If he's sincere and he's seeking your forgiveness, you just forgive him. Okay, what what if there isn't that interaction? What if, um, first of all, what if I don't want to go to somebody and say, hey, I believe you should forgive me. I want to forgive you. Can we do this? Now, did I say that right? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And that person says, I have nothing to forgive, be forgiven for. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, they're not seeking forgiveness then. But they don't think they did anything wrong. Well, and then you can have a discussion about that. You can talk to that person. And and maybe, maybe in some of those cases, I think a whole lot of people, they get the feelings hurt unnecessarily because they understand something different than it's intended. But at the same time, I think we need to be gracious and... I, I, have re- I can't even tell you how many times I've apologized to somebody who they were offended by something I said or the way I said it and completely unintentional on my part. But I, I, I well, look, I have, I have a responsibility. I need, I need to, you know, apologize to them. Yeah, I, my guest host today is Gary Hutchins as we continue here on The View from a Pew and to uh, – take it all back, what Satan has taken from us. And I believe one of the things he's taken from us is how how important forgiveness is in Jesus's life and teaching and death on the cross. Now, what you're saying, I, I understand that. So they don't think they've done anything wrong and they don't need to forgive me. I have forgiven them, so I'm kind of done here. Yeah, it, I don't need to pursue them and twist their arm to make me say, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but at the same time, there there's needs to be a level of sincerity and also truthfulness. You know, what did Jesus say? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Right. Now, that's not just in a narrow form of application. That's that's generally speaking in, in John chapter 8 and verse 32. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then also Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul, same writer, but to a different congregation, he said, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Now, the word must there is in italics, and that means it's, it's edited in by the, by the editor, but the sense is what's trying to be got across there. You know, we need to be as forgiving to others as Christ has been forgiven to us. But again, if somebody, if, if somebody does not repent, how can we forgive? Because every time again, repentance and forgiveness from God is talked about in the scriptures, repentance comes first. So I, I, let me give you a little illustration. A fellow sat in my office one time many, many years ago, and I'm talking about decades ago, and he was telling me about how 
his wife and another man were living in adultery. And so he said, so I went to the man's house. She had actually moved in with him, I believe. She said, I went to the, he said, I went to the man's house. I knocked on the door. He came to the door and he said, I just want to tell you, I forgive you. Now, as he talked to me, and this was quite a while after that, he was rather frustrated was the sense I got. He said, my hands are really tied. I can't do anything because I've already forgiven him. Well, I think he was off base when the man came to the door and he simply said, I just want you to know I forgive you. The man hadn't repented. Right. He was still living in adultery with his wife. Right. Now, if God expects repentance before he will forgive us, and that's clear from the scriptures, then how can we rightly, just in a blanket kind of way, no matter what somebody has done to us, how can we say, well, I forgive you? Now, I do believe we need to maintain a forgiving heart. We need to be eager to forgive. But here's another illustration. I know a man who, when it came to becoming a Christian, he said, I can't do that. Hmm. He said, because I hate somebody, and you, I can't become a Christian. I can't, I can't be saved hating somebody. Well, he understood that basic principle. And, you know, I've prayed for him you know, many times that God wants to forgive, but he's got to put that hatred out of his heart. So, so the basic message is if we want God's forgiveness, then we need to be forgiving ourselves. All right. So now here's the tough question, and you may not have an answer, which should be okay. What is our consequence for being unrepentant and for refusing to forgive others, everyone else, or one person in an individual case? Is it all right to disobey God and Jesus? No, but we all do. Well, but but then, again, when we come to our senses, we we say, "Okay, God, please forgive me." You know, all right. But if we absolutely, in a blanket way, we disobey God in any way, how can we expect to be forgiven? How how can we expect to be forgiven? How can we expect to to be in heaven? What did Jesus say in John fourteen and verse fifteen? If you love me, keep my commandments. Right. And he repeats that in verse 21. He repeats it again in verse 23. And then in verse 24, he looks at it in reverse order. And he says, you know, he who does not love me does not keep my commandments. And so what's the consequence of not coming to God through Jesus, his way, in obedience? Hebrews 5 and verses 8 and 9 Speaking of Jesus, while he was on this earth, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, and he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Without our obedience, we, we cannot have the hope of God's forgiveness and eternal life. Okay, but there's a lot of things, and I'll just use me for an example. Sure. There's a lot of things that I'm not 100% obedient on. And I repent, and then I find I've done it again, and so I confess to God that I uh, uh, 
that I have once again done this and asked for your forgiveness. What's the consequence to the person who says, I'm not going to do this forgiveness thing? See, you're, but, but what you're describing is you have a repentant heart. You want God's forgiveness. You want to be right. Now, do we do we all mess up on a regular basis? Yeah. Absolutely. I'll yeah. raise my hand real high. Yeah, me you know? too. But there's a difference between that person who is really striving and the person who simply, in a blanket statement, says, nope, not going to do that. I'm not going to be obedient in this way. In this particular case, you're talking about, I'm not going to forgive that person. Yeah. Or in some cases, some people are just so arrogant <laughs> They don't, they're not going to forgive people in general. Yeah. All right. My uh, co-host today is uh, Gary Hutchins from Church of Christ on uh, 108th and Maple, about a block north. Services, Sunday school at 930 in the morning, service at 1030. And then they have another gathering at 630 on Sunday night. Six o'clock Sunday six night, o'clock, and then Wednesday six six thirty Wednesday for, night for Bible classes. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about the Bible? Gee, if we want to know the answer to something, and the answer is always, let's look in the Bible. What does the Bible say to us of the uh, confidence and peace we will find by searching the answers? in the Bible. That's coming up next here on The View from a Pew. I'm Mac McCoy. If I haven't told you, I love this job, and I couldn't do it without you. Thanks to DivineTruthChristianStores.com for being our worldwide supporter, and thank you to you for listening to The View from a Pew.